Okay, Brian. Yeah. I did research. You did? I did. I looked in a little bit into the 1868 stuff. And okay. I discovered that it's the year Grant was elected. The year Ulysses S. Grant was elected president. All right. So I figure if 33, Hitler, Hamlin, then 68, Grant, McGill, good side, Mm -hmm. bad side, maybe. I don't know. You got nothing nothing on that? (laughs) (laughs) It's still like the biggest stretch ever. (laughs) Okay. Well, well, how about... How about this? This is what happens when people give us comments about how we need to be insightful (laughs) is we just start pulling shit like this. Oh, yeah? Well, how about this? Lincoln's first vice president was named Hannibal Hamlin. Ooh. See? That's a little bit better. I like that one. Okay. We'll go with that one. (laughs) By the way, where's the third fucking... Where's the other Hamlin? Oh, I was going to bring that up, too. Where the hell is the other Hamlin? Right? I was going to bring that up. Well, it's up. All right, so let, let's start the show, and then we'll be sure to bring that up. Okay. Shopping at the Walmart short, just a couple of beans. But your buddy's worse off, and he throws you his car keys. You get to the bank, but the cops say, whoa, who are you going to die when they lock you down? Oh, Saul, Saul, you better call Ladies and gentlemen, this is It's All Good, Man, The Better. Better Call Saul Podcast. I'm Brian, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Dave. Dave, how are you doing this evening? Feeling a little classy and trashy, kind of like the uh, caviar of the South. Nice. <laughs> Dave and I also host the Nothing Important Podcast. You can find that at www.nothingimportantpodcast.com. And also, today's kind of a unique episode. Uh, how long have we been doing this now, Dave? Like, we, we did it for about three or four weeks before the show even started. Right. So this and would be about week, week 12. Week 12. And this is the first time... Uh, we haven't been in the same room. Yeah, this is kind of uh, awkwardly not intimate. <laughs> <laughs> so week 12, and right now, Dave, you're actually, what, about like 80 miles away from me? 60 miles. 60 miles? So this is actually the direct opposite of a couple weeks ago when we were basically sitting on each other's lap. <laughs> <laughs> so close yet so far away. Right, but we will not be be detoured. It, it's uh, man. No, uh, God damn it! The show must go on. Show must go on. In fact, I actually had to go and uh, buy a setup from Guitar Center today. I, I was gonna <laughs> to say I think sure. it was like the Kids RS uh, podcasting for juniors play kit or something like that. That's that's how I feel. I got like a plastic <laughs> microphone with no pop filter. <laughs> but we're on Skype and uh, we're we're gonna give this a shot. So if it sounds a little awkward to everybody out there. Uh, Dave and I are separated for the first time this season, um, and uh, that's hopefully not going to happen next week for the series premiere, right, Dave? Hell no. You mean the series finale? Series fi- No, not the series finale. The season finale. So, oh, God damn it. <laughs> season finale. Yes. See? Off to a great start already, I'm folks. so not cutting that out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Dave, as we started the episode, it was the scene of Chuck and Jimmy on the bench. Chilling on the bench. Chilling on the bench, I, I was surprised to see that they started it that way because we saw that as uh, as the preview for the upcoming episodes. We kind of talked about it on preview with the prior. I wouldn't have thought that they were going to open the 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 uh, episode like that. Yeah, flash sideways. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it ran <laughs> parallel. <laughs> flash so, now. 
it was kind of nice because it showed him uh, sitting next to, uh, well, pretty much under a transformer on an electric pole. And Jimmy was trying to get Chuck to relax a little bit and take off his shoes and run his toes through the grass, which he hasn't done in forever. Yeah, just trying to get comfortable. And, uh, you know, it reminded me like Die Hard. You know? Die Hard? Yeah, when he's like, take your shoes off and, and grab the carpet with your feet. Oh, uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I did like it when they finally turned back towards the house and uh, Chuck just kind of made uh, the little quip, you know, the house needs a new coat of paint, which was yeah. kind, of a, kind of a clever little way to show that he kind of hadn't been outside in a while or noticed what was going on. Yeah, I definitely took notice of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, house needs a coat of paint. Yeah, and they, <laughs> they even did some strategizing because they were talking about how uh, uh, Swika and Coakley were going to try to get a restraining order on Jimmy to keep him from... Um, Talking to his clients or yeah. even showing up at the uh, Sandpiper. Yeah, he's you know, telling Jimmy, be prepared. Be prepared to fight for this thing. Right. And what, what I really liked about this too, Dave, is because if anybody listened to Preview with a prior or even the, our last episode, we kind of had a little debate on whether or not Chuck was actually cured of his ailment. Right, right. And I, I was kind of... I did say that he would. He kind of realized it's in his own head, but then I kind of backtracked on that a little bit, and I just thought it would be a step in his recovery. Right. I was a little surprised that they started with the whole outside thing because it went on for quite, uh, well, I mean, relatively quite some time. So I was like, well, you know, maybe Dave was right, and uh, maybe maybe he is kind of cured. Maybe he kind of broke out of it, but um, we'll talk about it in a little bit. I don't think, I don't think that's entirely the case. No, but it's, it's, it's going somewhere. It's going sure. somewhere. Then it cuts to the opening, which you and I always like to talk about, which are usually the most mundane uh, parts of the show. No Tyrantula this week. No Tyrantula. Although, but, <laughs> I, uh, what did it look like to you, Brian? It looked like a water fountain. Like it was like a business card uh, in a water fountain. It was a urinal. Was it a urinal? Yeah, you saw the urinal cake. So basically, Jimmy's business card was in the urinal, and I literally turned to my brother and I said, Jimmy's career is about to go to shit. <laughs> yeah, I kind of had something similar. I, I thought the visual uh, analogy was that his career was going to go down the drain. Yep. <laughs> so for some reason, I didn't pick up that that was a, that was a urinal, though. I, I thought it was like a water fountain in the park, and that's where, where I kind of correlated it to uh, Jimmy and Chuck sitting on the bench. Uh, no, I thought I saw a urinal cake in there. Well, either way, uh, circling the drain, going to shit, right? That is right. Okay, and then we cut to uh, Mike. He uh, apparently adopted a dog. Yeah, he got Kaylee a little little friend to play with there. Right. Did we ever establish how old she is and how old she is in Breaking Bad? No. That still weirds me out. I, I still swear that, that she hasn't aged. Maybe she's got Benjamin Button disease or something. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so as they're discussing whether or not to keep the dog, um, Mike actually gets a call from the vet, and then it kind of becomes clear that the dog is just kind of a, a clever cover-up. Oh, yeah, for him, like an excuse for him to go visit the vet? Yeah, absolutely, because why else would he go to the vet? He can't keep going there for uh, jobs and medication if he doesn't have any reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of took it as a way to, for him to get closer to Kaylee. You know, like an excuse to hang out, especially when he's like, well, if you don't want to keep it here, you can keep it in my house and she can come visit. Right. You well, yeah, I, I guess it kind of works on both levels then, right? Right. But, yeah, that's a good call on the cover-up for a reason to go to the vet. Yeah, it's just establishing an alibi and why, uh, you know, because that's, you know, it's a place where 
a bunch of people congregate. You know, it's only a matter of time before somebody talks to somebody and they're like, "Oh, I saw I saw uh, Mike at the at the vet." Right, right, <laughs> right. The hell's he doing there? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he was he was getting a lead, as he said, a lead on a job opportunity, which we talked about a little bit in the uh, preview of the prior. Yeah, absolutely. I was waiting for. I was. Uh, I like when he said that. You know, he was. He got a lead on a job opportunity, but I was kind of hoping that Stacy was going to ask him, kind of more about that. Like, kind of like, oh, really? Like, you don't want to work at the toll booth any, or the that you don't want to work at the parking lot booth anymore? Right. Yeah. Just to see how he would have reacted, but it just kind of cut away true to fashion. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't really expecting a quip or anything because I figured that would be kind of understood. You know, he's looking for something mm-hmm. better. Right, yeah. I, and while we're talking about Stacy, I have not heard anybody or seen any other theories about whether or not she is trying to get Mike to admit to something wearing a wire or anything like that. I, I yeah, maintain, you know, I maintain that she is just being her. Yeah, I know? think after this episode, I'm probably just going to go with that too. Yeah, you know, it's it was a great kinda, theory was, though. It's an awesome theory, actually. But. Yeah, it was. It was kind of fun to speculate and think about, but. Um, you know, now it's uh, there's so many different scenes and so many different situations mm-hmm. that I think I think it's probably not plausible that she is wearing a wire trying to trap Mike. But we still haven't seen the two detectives and what their conversation with her actually was. Right. And I, yeah, maybe you will next episode. Maybe not. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be a plot line that they're following too closely uh, as a series as the season wraps. Yeah. So maybe that'll come into play like at the end of. Uh, at the end of the next episode oh, like maybe they'll to. come back because i doubt they would leave that just hanging out there like oh i'm gonna go talk to your daughter-in-law and then nothing comes of it yeah but i mean you got another season so who knows well that's that's what i'm saying i mean it's kind of like uh everybody's just anticipating some sort of uh some sort of uh cliffhanger so maybe that'll play into like the big end of season cliffhanger yeah it's possible yeah, but then we got to see Jimmy do some lawyering and uh, putting up a good fight, resisting the restraining order. Yeah, that's right. He uh, he, he pretty much called everything out as bullshit mm-hmm. and uh, won the old judge over against the civil harassment charges. Right, yeah, yeah. Swiker was saying that basically he would cause a disturbance to the tenants of the Sandpiper. And right. uh, and Sal countered back with, uh, well, it's pretty obvious all you're trying to do is just keep me away from my, my clients. So then Jimmy goes to Chuck, all proud of himself. Mm-hmm. That's not smoke you're smelling. Or, you know, I'm on fire, basically, is what he's saying. Yeah, he was pumped up. Yeah, he's all proud yeah. of himself. And he, he little little win, little victory right there. Yeah, small. Um, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like a small victory, but it was a small victory in the grand scheme of things. But it was a big win for Jimmy. Yeah, definitely a boost to his self-confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, yeah, so big boost to his confidence, which is what you said. And then Chuck pretty much deflates him. Yeah. Just tells him that, uh, you know, take a seat. I got some uh, news for you that you're not going to like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, and it makes a, it, it does make a lot of sense on the surface. I mean, if, if it's going to be those giant class action lawsuit, it definitely would be hard for two guys to try to figure that out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it made a very logical case that they need more manpower and more money to make sure that it's taken care of. Which just keeps perpetuating the notion that Chuck is really into this to work with Jimmy. Like he's being right. a good guy about it. Right. That he, that he was trying to go, you know, he, he was acting out the best interest for the for basically the partnership. Right. 
the brothers McGill, I guess you could say, you know, he, he was like, Hey man, we, we don't have the manpower and money to this. Let's go ahead and refer this to the law firm that I'm a partner of. And then they'll give us the necessary resources to take this on. Right. And which, then- which struck me because everybody, uh, us included, thought that the key to that whole thing was going to be the key code using Hamlin Hamlin McGill's resources, right? <laughs> right? Like everybody was like, oh, that's it. Like that's what's going to happen. They're basically going to say, give me the case or, you know, I'll have you arrested or because you used our materials that automatically were involved in this case. Uh huh. No, no, none of that happened. It was no. just pretty much Chuck like, okay, dude, like, uh, so we should just take it over there because they, they can do this a lot right. easier yeah. than us. So I don't know if that was like an intentional fake out, but like I nobody saw just Chuck making a nice logical reasoned argument, right? To go where Jimmy is hated. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about it was, is 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 uh, Jimmy kind of went into that like okay, like begrudgingly he begrudgingly went with it. He was like, okay, well that actually kind of makes makes some sense, you know, and I'm working with my uh-huh. brother on this. And if my brother thinks that that's, that's a good course of action, let's just go ahead and uh, go for that ourselves. Well, and then he says, you know, I'm finally out of the mailroom. Finally out of the mailroom. Which is related to something that happens later I was going to get into. I actually did a little more research. Oh, you actually, did? Actually, Doug the Fact Checker did some research for us. Doug the Fact Checker. Thanks, yeah. Doug. Because Doug the Fact Checker pointed mm-hmm. out what... What of what an of council arrangement is? Okay, an of council arrangement is when you basically have a working relationship with a law firm, but you're not officially a part of that law firm. You may have an office within that law firm, mm-hmm. and you may have some sort of deals that are interconnected, but you're not officially an associate of said law firm, and you're not officially a partner or anything. Well, that that makes a lot of sense because uh, Jimmy. So Jimmy wanted the office. Right, and that's why he said, I'll get the office next to you. I'm finally out of the mailroom. He thinks that's the deal he's going to get. He's going to get to work in the offices of HHM as right next still to- Jimmy McGill. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, good job, fact checker Doug. <laughs> <laughs> so Jimmy goes and takes a nap, and Chuck, mm-hmm. Chuck puts on the weakest hockey goalie costume ever. <laughs> Space blanket, <laughs> oven mitt, and a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and, he, and he uses Saul's phone. Grabs his Jim- phone, starts dialing away. Yeah, and right then, I, I got to be honest, I think that was way telegraphed, and I'm like, ah, dude, he, he's, he's sabotaging this whole deal. Oh, yeah, I thought he was calling, I was, it was either Kim or, or uh, uh, Hamlin, either Kim or Hamlin. I right, remember, remember when we watched the last episode, we were, we were sitting there on the couch, and uh, when Saul got the bad news from Howie, uh huh. But before that, they talked to Chuck, and uh, Chuck was kind of like, "Oh, well, you know, I got I got to talk to the partners." And then right after that, it showed Howie talking to Saul down in the mailroom and giving him the bad news that he, uh, giving him the news that he wasn't going to be able to bring him on. Right, right. Like I just kind of offhandedly said there, I'm like, "Oh, well, Chuck did that. Chuck totally." You did say that. You did say that. Yeah. So uh, Chuck has been kind of a dick this entire time. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> they kind of set it up to where Hamlin looks like the asshole, but it's it's really Chuck. Which we kind of saw coming. As soon as they were hiding the reasons why, even when he was talking to Hamlin, before even Kim got into it, I kind of said, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think Chuck's behind this. 
And uh, I was I was listening to another podcast about the show, and they were just mm-hmm. going on and on about how much they hate Chuck. And how Chuck's a bad guy, and he's only in it for himself. And I was just like, no, no, he's legit. Mm-hmm. No, that's not the case. <laughs> not the case. <laughs> Chuck is kind of an asshole. Chuck is kind of an asshole. Speaking of assholes, Mike heads to the garage, and we finally get to see that scene played out that was in the uh, you know previews for the upcoming episodes last week. We finally get to see... Uh, the return of Badass Mike. That's right. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say those guys were not the guys from the Wanted posters. No, they weren't. But here, here's a neat little fact for you. All right. Um, the the guy, remember you kept calling him the guy in the Zumbas? Yes. Right, the guy in the Zumba pants? Yes. That's actually uh, Steve Ogg, who played Trevor in Grand Theft Auto Five. And the reason why that's interesting is because... Uh, uh, Michael Mondo, the guy who plays Nacho, okay. plays Vaz Montenegro in Far Cry 3. So I just found it interesting that um, for those of us that grew up with video games, that's two big-time video game actors in one TV series. And if you add 5 plus 3, you get 8. <laughs> now, okay. 1 times 8 is 8. If you okay. take the 1... And then you go 8 times 2 is 16. Move the 1 over to the beginning. You double the 8. You have 1868. That's Chuck's pin number. <laughs> That's it. That's the connection. <laughs> it's, it's it. <sighs> Man, that was some Eddie Valiant shit. <laughs> Bonus points to anybody who knows who Eddie Valiant is. All right, so Mike was in the garage. He's, he's the smallest one there. And he, uh, apparently they're there for a, a protection job. And I thought that'd be like a multiple day protection job, but it, it doesn't appear so. Apparently it was one deal. So I was kind of right. Mm-hmm. I, I kept using the word strong arm. I, I figured, yeah, it'd be some sort of something they would need force to accomplish, or at least a show yeah. of force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But way, yeah, we had no idea what the hell the job was going to be and, and what exactly a protection job is. Absolutely, because uh, when Price showed up in his little minivan, he didn't look anything uh, that you would think a criminal would. So he's obviously some sort of uh, some sort of doctor or a pharmacist or something that has yeah, access like, to prescription medication. Like a super super neurotic guy. Mm-hmm. I like how they called they referred to him as an ethnic type. Right. <laughs> These ethnic ethnic types. <laughs> I I also like uh, I I thought it was absolutely awesome how the only thing that Mike brought to this was a pimento cheese sandwich. You only got to bring what you need to do the job, apparently. Yeah, the, I mean, how badass was that? He's like, well, you know, what if you need a gun? He's like, I just assume I'll take it from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he had a gun in that bag. He was just saying it was a pimento sandwich because that guy was being a dickhole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then after he, he like disassembles the gun, beats the guy's ass, and takes all of his weapons, <laughs> the big, the human mountain just runs off. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, called it that that the whole tense scene between Mike and the uh, Zumba's guy was because that guy was just being crazy, and Mike was just like not dealing with his shit. Right. Absolutely. So good call, Dave. And I love the. Uh, I think my favorite part of that was like we need three guys. And Mike's just like, no, we don't. Yeah, and, and then he took the entire $1,500 for himself. Right. Then we finally got to see Chuck return to Hamlin, Hamlin McGill. That's right, with the space blanket suit lining. Yeah. 
<laughs> By the way, another thing I was right about was Chuck showing up at HHM mm-hmm. and the big, you know, welcome back. I didn't think that they would put the place in freaking like, you know, threat level midnight lockdown. <laughs> Which is another office reference I wanted to make, other than uh, the guy that plays Price, plays Nate, and his whole thing in the office was, uh, I don't exactly have a hearing That was problem. Nate from The Office? Yeah, it was Nate from The Office. Right, like you, the, the one way- of the guys from the last season that were kind of interns? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, he hires them in the warehouse, and the whole time he's like, I don't exactly have a hearing problem, but when there's a lot going on, I can't separate what's mm-hmm. going on. He keeps saying that over and over again. In that, It's like the same character. Awesome. So the the employees of Hamlin, Hamlin McGill are doing their best to accommodate Chuck walking around with the big Tupperware, uh, collecting cell phones, shutting off the power, shutting off the computers, all waiting for Chuck's big arrival. And it, it was great to see Chuck walk in and everybody there in a the show of support applauding and clapping. Right, right. Yeah, being all supportive and shit because, I mean, the guy helped build the company. Mm-hmm. And then it gets down to the brass tacks and Saul reveals that... Uh, he already has 68 litigants in his class action suit, and uh, they think that they can get up to 350. He's got some solid numbers. He's got he's got momentum in the case. So with all those litigants, you know, and the the the, the roundtable of lawyers actually started about like uh, you know banting about other charges that they could throw on top, like racketeering. So it really appears that they're going for the gusto, and this is going to be Jimmy's big. Big, big deal. His big break. His big case. Make right. a name for himself. Hamlin had to literally stop himself from calling it a slam dunk. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Hamlin was very confident that the law firm could win this case. Very confident, and of course he gets. Um, you know, they negotiate the pay. You know, Sal's going to get twenty percent of the common fund share after the payouts. Right. Uh, he'll get twenty thousand dollars as a counsel fee. Right. But he will not get an office in Hamlin, Hamlin McGill. And that's the thing, because when he says the of counsel, Hamlin says, we'll call it an of counsel fee. It's mm-hmm. not actually an of counsel deal. So that's where Jimmy was like, oh, yeah, I'll take the office next to Chuck's. Like, he thinks he's getting that of counsel arrangement. No. Right, and stop him dead in his tracks. That's right. And I, yeah. and I, I, was, and I was watching Chuck. I, was, I wanted to see how they wanted chuck's character to handle the situation because we're we're feeling like chuck's the bad guy and keeping jimmy out of everything so i'm sitting there like how much is chuck going to go to bat for jimmy right now yeah as soon as he actually started sticking up for for jimmy the the way that um that that played out uh you know the first thing that came out of my mouth was yeah he totally set that up like that is not sincere at all right yeah i kind of was feeling that too because they set it up as as hamlin being the bad guy and delivering the bad news you know he's like uh you know you're not working here. We want the case. And then he had to stop himself from saying, not you. Right. It's just, let's just leave it at, we want the case yeah. and nothing else. We only want the case. Right. And that, that leads to, um, that leads to the line, you know, uh, that they were showing on the previews where, you know, Jimmy just put it on the table, look, kind of like, look, I hate you. You hate me, but right. let's put that aside and let's like make some money and make this happen. Right. Let's work together. Let's, let's do some shits. And Hamlin wasn't about it. He said that a majority of the partners had already decided, as a cover for Chuck, that Sal or that Jimmy could not work there. Right. Which you brought up a question at the very beginning before we started recording, Dave. What was that question? What was the question? Where is the other third partner? Oh yeah. So majority decision. Where's the other Hamlin? Right. Yeah. That right is Hamlin. Hamlin McGill. We've only seen a Hamlin and a McGill. We haven't seen. Yeah. 
the third person yet. And that, that, I wrote that in my notes and I circled a few times. I'm like, majority, who the hell's the other guy? So I wonder if that'll ever come into play. I wonder if there really is no third partner. I wonder if it's some sort of shading doings like under the table where they establish like a fictional third partner that just happens to be out there. And maybe they use that to sway like corporate votes, votes or like stocks yeah. in, in the company. Yeah, but I mean, but also there are other partners that are not on the name of the company, right? Like Kim Wexler's going to become partner. Would they change the name to Hamlin, Hamlin, McGill, and Wexler if that happened? Right. I'm sure. I mean, there's like junior you know, partners. Like, I'm sure there's all yeah. sorts of partners because I think that's like an actual rank in law offices, right? Right. Like you get to a certain level and you become a partner. But the deal is, is the name of the company is Hamlin, Hamlin, McGill, and we haven't seen the other Hamlin. Right. What the hell? Where is Hamlindigo Orange? Right. Like maybe, uh, you know, we keep saying maybe we'll see that in the final episode, but I don't think we will. I think that's something that they're going to hold off until at least next season. I, I don't think because even the writers and everybody has to have to now be feel be feeling like, look, the audience has had to have caught on that. We haven't introduced the, the third major partner. Right. Right. So. Come on, man. <laughs> Where's that? Yeah. <laughs> But I did. I did like Jimmy's uh, response to that. You know, he 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 didn't take too long before he's like, "No, absolutely not." You no. know, anybody else would have brought you this this slam dunk, multi million dollar case. You would have made them part partners just off of that, and you won't even let me have an office next to next to Chuck. Like, right. I will destroy this entire case for you. <laughs> I am taking my ball and I am going home. <laughs> That's exactly what if it was. I can't play. Nobody can play. Right, absolutely. And then uh, Holly was just like, all right, well, I wish you luck. Right, yeah. Go, go, go do it. Yeah, absolutely. So then, I, so then this is the scene I was kind of waiting for. Mm-hmm. Kim, Kim goes to bat for, for Jimmy, and Chuck didn't. Right. I definitely noticed that that happened. She walks into Hamlin's office and just questions him, why? Why didn't you hire Jimmy? What's going on? Jimmy's a good lawyer. He works his ass off. Blah blah blah. And brought Hamlin's, you brought you a fucking ridiculous case. Right. Brought you this <laughs> ridiculous case, and you're just gonna kind of buy him out of it. And then he says, "Well, why are you doing this?" She says, "Well, he's my friend." And then he says, "Well, did your friend tell you to do this?" And she oh. says, "No." And she's like, "No, I I took it upon myself because I believe in him." And that's God. when he's like, "Keep your opinions to yourself." Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. He tells uh, the the next time that Kim wants to walk into his office and tell him where he's wrong, or tell him where he's wrong, uh, she could just stick it pretty much. <laughs> right. But I did when she was ready to walk out the door and Hamlin called her back and told her what's really going on. Mm-hmm. I kind of took that as a a sign of Hamlin's respect for Kim growing. See, that's that. You know what? See, that's the thing about. That's the thing about Howie is like they kind of set him up the entire time to be a dick, and I think this is kind of like the genius of of the show thus far because really he's not a dick at all. Like really, if if you think about it, there's a lot of times where he was actually probably handling the situation with as mu- with as much empathy towards Jimmy as he could. Right, because it really wasn't his call. Yeah, I mean, a lot, all of it. it you know, yeah. like like the whole like he can't be a lawyer to begin with. Like it's now obvious that that was all, um, all Chuck's doing, and while they're not necessarily best friends, and he doesn't see him as like a little brother, like thinking back to all the things that Howie has done, like yeah, he's kind of a douche, 
But really thinking back to all of it, like he's been very respectful and empathetic towards Jimmy the entire time. Even when Jimmy busted in at the beginning of the season, remember he busted into the law office for the first time demanding that they release Chuck or whatever. And instead of like getting fired up or, you know, he's just like, how can I help you, Jimmy? Right. <laughs> like, right. You know, like, like, I mean, he's kind of a cocky douche, which, by the way, for some reason, he reminds me of Neil Patrick Harris. I don't know if that's me. <laughs> he reminds me of Doogie Hauser for whatever reason. So that's that's what I find interesting in the whole scenario is um, Howie is totally. How is the messenger? Yeah. So he's always the uh, messenger. But not only is, it, is he the messenger, I feel like he's the only one really kind of looking out for Jimmy's self-interest. Because well, his Kim, brother, his brother Kim, keeps tanking him. Kim's looking out for him the most, right? But well, okay, good point. So, but I think I think um, Howie is looking out for Jimmy more than Chuck is because Chuck just keeps like absolutely, absolutely, like just keeps screwing him over, and Howie just keeps softening the blows. Like you see, it, it he doesn't go overboard douche. Like he doesn't really put him in his place. He doesn't trash him. He just kind of says what needs to be said, and he says it with affirmation and like assertiveness. You know, he just says it matter of factly. Right. Everything so, with Hamlin's been matter of fact. Yeah. Like okay. For example, remember the scene where you know Sal was or Jimmy was celebrating in the mail room, and um, and you know the it panned out and all you heard was the 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 noise of the copy machine and it was obvious that Hamlin was, you know, letting. Letting him Jimmy down. know that he wasn't going to hire him. Right, right. Well, uh, you know, they actually had dialogue for that, even though it wasn't recorded. Oh, really? Yeah. What he said was, and this is according to Gordon Smith, who wrote that episode, this is Hamlin to Jimmy. Uh, we don't have any associate positions open right now, and my hands are tied. I wish we could help you. It's really great that you've done this, but it's not going to happen right now. And then that's when he walks out the door and it ends with him saying, well, we'll think about it again in six months. And then it pans out further and then a deflated Jimmy sits at the table and Hamlin takes the cake and goes back to his office or wherever he goes. Right, right. So even the unheard dialogue that they had, it, it still shows, you know, Hamlin sparing Jimmy's feelings. Like, he, he's direct, but I, I get the sense now that, like, he's just trying to... Like, I think he feels sorry for Jimmy in a way. And he's playing both sides. He has to be like a moderator in this. You know, he's trying to keep the peace. Right. And, well, and because spare. his cash cow is Chuck. Right. You know, so he doesn't want Chuck to get too upset. But then at the same time, Jimmy keeps being a thorn in his side and has this vitriol uh, against him. All because he's carrying out the orders of Chuck. But is Jimmy really the thorn in his side? Because Chuck's keeping a pretty good lawyer out of HHM. Well, that's what I'm saying, though, but but Jimmy doesn't know that at this point. So Jimmy keeps prodding and causing troubles with Howie, and he kind of tries to go out of his way to be obnoxious and aggravate him a little bit. Which maybe that's why Howie told Kim, because he knows Kim will tell Jimmy. Yeah, oh, that's a good angle. So then we finally get to see uh, what Price is up to and why he needed Mike, and it's just a very simple drug deal. He's trying to sell drugs to Nacho. As I was going to say, as the van pulled up, I didn't remember if it was like the van from episode two, mm -hmm. but I did say, come on, Nacho. Like I had, yeah. I had a feeling it was going to be Nacho. <laughs> it was a good way to bring that character back. And also, um, do you, was it established? Well, Mike knows of Nacho, right? But they're not, they don't know each other personally. I was trying to think if they had any 
interaction before. Because, because I don't be, think so. Right, because obviously um, Mike knew what was going on with, with Nacho when he got Sal off the hook for pushing him. Right. So he's obviously familiar. You know, he knows about Nacho. But in the scene where they were staring each other down, there there was very little, if any, familiarity or like professional courtesy or anything. It was all very business. Um, but there was no like, uh, you know, they weren't cordial towards one another. Right, right. But maybe they just had that understanding, like, you know, they're both there kind of doing illegal things and they're just going to, you know, play out their parts, even though they're in no real danger. Well, as Mike knew mm-hmm. that... It had to go smoothly. Yes, right. Yeah, because he, he, as you said, if you're you know if you're gonna um, if you're gonna be a criminal, you got to do your homework. Right. I did like how um, how when Price counted the money, it was twenty dollars short, and Mike was willing or Mike posed as if he was willing to take the whole deal over twenty dollars. Well, I, but I said exactly what Mike said too, and I was like, well, isn't Nacho willing to take this whole deal over twenty dollars? Yeah, see, I didn't say that. I just kind of laughed. Like, my wife said, why would he care about 20 bucks? And I'm like, I don't know, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. Because Mike is a matter <laughs> of principle, man. You are, and he said it in the episode, you are a man of your word. So if mm-hmm. you say you're going to give this much money, it's got to be that much money. You say it's going to be for this many pills, it better be for that many pills. Because a little lie can become a bigger lie, it can become a bigger lie. Absolutely. See? And I, I, I did like how Price dropped the $20 bill and had to chase it in the wind. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little fuck you, you neurotic bastard. I'm assuming those pills were pseudo. Like they're fake? No, pseudo. That's what they're always going for to make meth in Breaking Bad. They're always going after the pseudo. That's what they called it. I don't know what oh. it's short for. Oh. I'm, I'm assuming they're, those are the pills that they're, that's, they're getting into the meth operation. Oh, very good, Dave. Oh, look at that house all tying together. That's very nice. Yeah, well, I'm not the one that wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> And then they're sitting in the van, and they have the little heart-to-heart where they're, they're kind of discussing the, the whole bad guy, criminal thing. And, you know, and Price is like, well, I'm not a bad guy. And Mike's like, you're not a bad I didn't say you're a bad guy. I said you were a criminal. And I found that scene pretty interesting, getting into, like, what it means to be what. You know, what defines you in these situations. Right, yeah. You know, where Mike just, he breaks it down. He's, you know, brass tacks. You did something illegal. You are a criminal. Right. <laughs> but, I, but I took that as Mike kind of like that's how Mike talks to himself. Like it's how he justifies his yeah. actions. He's I'm not a bad guy, but damn right I'm a criminal. Right. You know, even though I used to uphold the law, I'm doing what I have to do to look out for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Then we head to uh, we head back to the salon and Jimmy has a ton of alcohol and he wants to uh, vent to Kim, who was waiting outside for him. Who was waiting outside for him to uh, deliver the bad news that she thinks that he should take the deal, and she knows something's up. That was a pretty good job of acting, I think. Mm-hmm. Of we knew she knew something was up. She did what she had to do to get Jimmy to raise the questions to Chuck. Yeah, like she she was kind of standoffish, standoffish enough to where it was obvious that she was withholding something. Right. But uh, she she didn't want to tell him herself. And I think that's that was when Jimmy realized what yeah. was going on. Yeah, because you know, like just take the deal. Well, why? Like you know, and he keeps prodding her, and he accuses her of stabbing him in the back. Mm-hmm. And she's like, just just take the deal. Just so take that, the deal. 
So that was a great little scene which sets up the final scene of the show, man. And that, man, you're those guys were chewing up some scenery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Jimmy was there, like all nonchalant. Um, you know, kind of uh, just playing things as they go along. Even kind of leading Chuck on to make him feel stupid a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then um, uh, suggest that Chuck just, should quit. Just kind of... Jimmy's just kind of raising the anvil. That's kind of the way I looked at it. He's slowly raising the anvil, and he's just going to let go of the rope at mm-hmm. a certain time right on top of Chuck. Yeah, and that's how he called him out. He's like, why don't you do this for me? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? You know, why don't you threaten to quit? You're not really going to quit. Right, yeah, like basically like uh, called his bluff. Right, or, or, or try to get him to make a bluff on Jimmy's behalf. Yeah. Absolutely, and then uh, when when Chuck didn't really bite, you know, Chuck kind of started to know what was up when uh, when um, Jimmy became kind of indignant about it and was like, "No, like you know, quit, just trying to quit. It's a win-win situation. What are they going to do? They're, you know, they're not, they'll make me a partner. They won't they, they won't let you quit. Yeah, they're not going to get rid of the golden goose. <laughs> yeah, not right? going to get rid of the golden goose. Absolutely. And then." Um, and then he just lets it all out that he knew that he called. You know, he checked, uh, he called the phone company and saw that there was a deleted call at 2 a.m. to Howie. And the only person that could have made it was Chuck. In his broke ass hockey goalie outfit. <laughs> In his broke ass hockey goalie <laughs> outfit. And then he just kind of, and then Chuck lowers the boom and he's just like, puts it out there. You know, I, I don't feel, you know, you're, you're not a real lawyer. Right, you're, you're taking the easy way. You're, you're backdooring your way into this huge deal. You didn't pay your dues. Yep, and I like how it all came full circle with, you know, you're slipping Jimmy. You're like a chimp with a machine gun. <laughs> Which, by the way, is one of the best videos I've ever seen on the internet. Chimp with a machine gun? Have you ever seen the chimp with a machine gun? No, never. Oh, it's like these African army guys that they literally give a chimp a loaded machine gun and the, and the thing just pulls the trigger and starts firing it all over the place. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. And then Jimmy and, and Jimmy reacts with, all right, here's your supplies. When they run out, you better deal with the outside because I'm done. Yep. So we're, uh, before we record a preview with the prior in a couple of days or whatever, so just based on tonight's episode, where where is your gut feeling that they're going to go from here? I think, I think Jimmy is going to take this hit pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard not to think to Breaking Bad to where he ends up with the, with the sleazy, shady lawyer, where this is the start of Jimmy just saying, well, if that's all you think of me, then I'm going to be the best at it. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So do you think he'll still take the deal or do you think he'll let it burn? I think he's going to take the deal. You think you think he'll take the deal and then take the money to finally be uh, Saul Goodman? Yeah, I, th- I think he's just going to. Man, I don't know if it's going to happen yet, honestly. Because like, you know eventually he's going to get there. But Well, not to spoil, uh, not to spoil anybody. Um, but, well, I don't really consider a spoiler because I think we all know that eventually Jimmy McGill is going to become Saul Goodman, correct? So our, our uh, friend Travis down in Albuquerque uh, did some scouting around town, taking pictures of locations of the episode, and... Uh, he actually caught a glimpse of the new really? Saul Goodman office under construction. Yeah, you can see the phone number and the first part of the office, like the first part of his name. It says like Saul and then like half of the name because it spreads over the windows so that they're still there's, constructing. 
So I, so I don't think it's too looks far like off. Setting this up for season two, right? Like, so remember, because we, we, we kept. I think everybody was just kind of anticipating the moment. Okay, this is when Jimmy finally becomes Saul Goodman, and it hasn't happened. And so I, I feel they're leaving it for the last episode. Right. That's kind of what we've been saying for a while now. Right. We've always kind of hoped. Well, there was a while there, like the first half of the season, we're like, okay, this is when it's going to happen. And everything's going to make sense, but. Yeah. No, total slow burn. <laughs> total slow burn. And uh I th- I think uh you know what 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 if they don't even say it in the last episode? What if they don't even say it, it the just the second season opens up and Saul Goodman. I was kind of thinking that honestly. I was really thinking that that was I was going to throw that out there. Yeah, the, the, they just kind of hint at it. But this this is obviously the final straw. So we don't think he'll say his name and it'll probably just open up season 2. That he'll be Saul Goodman. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So we've talked all season about the conflict between Jimmy and Chuck, and we kind of thought, how was it going to go down? Were they going to end up on opposite sides of the court? And obviously, that's that's not going to happen. They're not going to be on opposite sides of the case. But we did finally have the big confrontation between the two. Right. They were on opposite sides of the idea of Jimmy being a lawyer. Right. Yeah, a legit lawyer, a, a legit lawyer, you know, and uh, it turns out Chuck's a dick. <laughs> yeah. American Samoa bullshit. <laughs> yeah, if, if I got anything, anything out of that, uh, Chuck's a dick. <laughs> He's just a dick. So I can't I can't wait to see what happens next week. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, I'm really, really excited to see how this all wraps up. Absolutely. And for those of you, because I'm kind of like, honestly, like. I think they're going to have to fit a lot into this episode for me to be happy. I mean, you got to, I mean, what's all this with Mike been about? Mm. You know, like why have this storyline with Mike? It hasn't gone anywhere yet. That's true. You know, do, doing protection, taking odd jobs, dealing with Kaylee. Like how is, how does that thread go along with Jimmy becoming Saul Goodman? Well, why don't we take a couple days? Unless, and- unless this is just Mike's Mike's first foray into being the wolf type character, because we know that's how he ends up with Saul Goodman as his enforcer, cleanup guy. That's the only thing I can think of. This is just how Mike gets on that track. Gotcha. I see where you're going. Well, that's that'll be good. We'll we'll take a couple days and formulate our ideas. And let's put together a uh, a real good preview with a prior. For the uh, for the upcoming finale, we'll do maybe a little bit longer one. And I I, I do want to touch on on uh, on Ben from Australia's his comparison about the the Walter White with gray matter to Jimmy with HHM kind of stuff, and there is totally a parallel with those guys' pride getting in the way of certain benefits that they can get from their relationship with those companies. Like Walter wouldn't take a handout from black <laughs> Walter wouldn't take a handout from black because he's just too damn proud mm-hmm. you know Jimmy wouldn't take he's not taking this deal from HHM because he's too damn proud you know gotcha it's it's kind of like I think they're playing with hubris a little bit and and people's pride being their downfall which is really cool because I like it all right real quick Dave before we sign off I do want to give a shout out to uh, listener Nexus crawlers he's the he's the one that actually uh, as the show was going on clued me into the fact that um, that Michael Mondo and Stephen Ogg were both uh, main video game characters in their respective series, and 
you know, being nerds, we just thought that that was pretty neat that, you know, two, two actors that we would recognize that people who aren't in the video games probably wouldn't were in the same episode of the same show. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Nice catch. Very, very nice catch. I like it. Keep it up. Indeed. We're going to go ahead and cut that out here. Uh, this is uh, so I, uh, how do I use <laughs> This is so awkward. This is like the worst one yet you know you know what the funny thing is dave is like i thought the one where we had to sit on each other's lap and we used one microphone was awkward and it's just a little bit weird because we haven't gained our bearings yet to do the whole remote episode Uh uh-huh but next week we're definitely going to be together for the season finale right dave that's gonna happen it's gonna happen and of course we're gonna put together a great episode for you guys so thank you for listening to this week's episode Make sure to hit us up on Twitter and Facebook and check out our friends at calledusall.com and check us out at itsallgoodman.com. And Dave? Call us idiots, call us geniuses, whatever, just call us. You heard me, you better call us all.